Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. It is Coffee Break, and the show is brought to you by Versant Real Estate Group. If you have a property that fits the needs of their buyers, call David at Versant, 459-8565. Dr. Eric Arzubi, is that correct, doctor? Yep, you got it. All right, Eric yeah. Arzubi. Eric Arzubi joining us to kick off the show today. He uh, He's with Frontier Psychiatry. He's working with telepsychiatry in a partnership with uh, St. Pete's. Doctor, I, I appreciate you taking time. I, I can only imagine that you're very busy, so I appreciate you taking time this morning. No, of course. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. We're going to dive into the, the, the telepsychiatry and the partnership and all that, but first I'd love if you just kind of introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, it's it's life story time. Oh, sure. Thanks. Um, I'll, I'll keep it short. So, again, I'm a, I'm a psychiatrist. I'm board certified in adult psychiatry as well as child psychiatry. Um, based out of Billings and, uh, came over, came over to Montana back in 2013. Okay. Uh, how, how long have you been doing what it is that you do? I mean, to, 2013 that you came over to the, the best state in the union, but how long before that? <laughs> Clearly. Uh, no, so I've, uh, I've, I've, uh, I graduated medical school back in 2008. So yeah, I can say I've been a full-time physician since, uh, since then. Okay. And, uh, coming over, yeah, yeah, but like you said, it's our best state, so happy to be here. Right. Why Montana? Why, why is it that you ended up here? Well, I mean, initially it was because of the uh, the quality of life and, uh, you know, and the people, the uh, the culture. Um, but, uh, you know, what's really keeping me here is the uh, the challenge that the state is facing when it comes to uh, access to mental health care. And that's really what's uh, what's driving me and, uh, and my team. Yeah, which uh, definitely uh, the, the tele stuff. Now I'm smacking my mic as I'm talking with my hands. The tele part is uh, is definitely going to help with the, the the vast nature of Montana. I want to dive into that, but uh, why sure. why is this your field? Why why psychiatry? Well, because it uh, it affects everything and it affects everybody. I mean, one of the, I think it's underappreciated. You know, when people talk about medicine, they imagine and think about uh, physical medicine. But the truth is, if, uh, you know, let's say you have heart disease and you're depressed, your outcomes are going to be worse. If you have, uh, you know, if you have, let's say, diabetes and anxiety, your outcomes are going to be worse. So we can't uh, we can't be ignoring that part of uh, that part of our, our our mind and body. Right. Yeah. So Frontier Psychiatry. Tell us about that. What, what's Frontier? Sure. So Frontier Psychiatry, we're an all virtual uh, psychiatric practice based here in Montana. And there are a couple of reasons for doing this. First of all, interestingly, Montana used to be a leader in telemedicine, believe it or not. Um, you know, I, I used to be the Billings Clinic. I was chair of psychiatry at Billings Clinic for about five years. Um, and uh, what I learned when I came over to Montana is that people have been doing telemedicine and telepsychiatry in Montana since the early 90s. In fact, Montana was a leader nationally uh, for a long time, and at some point we kind of fell behind. Um, so... You know, what's nice is the landscape in Montana already allowed for uh, building a practice like this, doing it virtually. Again, the only way we're going to be able to pull something off if we're going to really try to get the suicide rates down in Montana and improve access is we got to use technology. We're never going to hire enough psychiatrists or mental health professionals to put them in every small town in Montana. So we need to use technology and be creative. Yeah. Dr. Eric Arzubi with us to kick off the show today. He's with Frontier Psychiatry. And uh, as I mentioned, a partnership uh, here in Helena with, with St. Pete's. What, what is that? What, what does it look like? Sure. So, so what we're doing now is um, our team is, uh, is, is providing access to St. Peter's Hospital 
uh, St. Peter's Health in, in Helena, um, by making ourselves available within uh, two hours of being called. So, for example, somebody shows up in the emergency room in, in a psychiatric crisis, a mental health crisis, you know, either they're feeling super, super depressed so they, they don't feel like they can function, uh, perhaps having thoughts of wanting to harm themselves, or maybe people are being um, sort of, they're not, their behavior is such that they're putting others at risk, they might end up in the emergency room, and then we can provide uh, an assessment within two hours of them arriving there and start care right away, rather than having people wait in the emergency room for, you know, for many, many hours or even days, uh, we can start providing care right away. And, and one of the things I want to emphasize, too, is when we talk about mental health and psychiatry, you know, the other thing that acknowledge is one of the major issues that sometimes we, we treat separately are substance use disorders or addiction. And uh, these things travel together. And so I think what's important to, to underscore is that we, 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 when we're talking about psychiatry, we, we include mental health disorders as well as co-occurring substance use disorders and addiction because these things do travel together and we can't ignore that. We, we need to treat them as such. So why, and I guess maybe you answered the why, but how did the partnership come about? Oh, sure. So we were very, um, so there, there's some companies that, that are from out of state that are sort of trying to creep into Montana and provide uh, these type of telemedicine services from afar. So, you know, there's, you might have like a New Jersey based, I have nothing against New Jersey, but you might have a New Jersey based company uh, trying to provide psychiatric services in Montana. And it's a very different culture, different uh, type of uh, services, different uh, population. And so <clears throat> we felt strongly that creating something local um, that's focused on, you know, the needs of the local community is, uh, is critical. So we worked with the Montana Hospital Association, and we actually created a joint venture with them uh, to be able to make these services available in hospitals no matter where they are in Montana. And so St. Peter's was one of the first hospitals to have the the vision, the forethought, and the, the courage really to kind of jump on this bandwagon and start using us. And we're very excited. And uh, since since we signed on with St. Peter's, we've actually had uh, three or four other hospitals sign on with us, and we'll be launching services in other hospitals uh, around the state. Dr. Eric Arzubi with us. He's from Frontier Psychiatry. they got a partnership going in telepsychiatry with uh, St. Peter's Health and uh, telepsychiatry, uh, telemedicine just in general, something that uh, it's very important. I mean, as you pointed out, you know, that we just don't we can't hire enough folks because Montana is just so vast, especially as you know. I mean, you're over there in Billings, eastern Montana. There's a long way for people to have to drive to get any kind of access to care, isn't there? Well, absolutely. I mean, what's amazing to me is when I when I came to Montana, you know, many years ago, back in 2013, I couldn't believe people would drive five hours for a 30-minute appointment. I'm like, I just couldn't. I couldn't believe that. And and that's not okay. People people shouldn't have to expend their resources to that extent to get help. Um, and you know what's also what happens often in in people people go to emergency rooms because they have nothing else, right? So in a place like Ekalaka. If there aren't uh, if there aren't psychiatrists around and somebody's in crisis, they go to the emergency room, right? And then from there, they might have to wait uh, many hours or a day or two, and then get transferred to Billings or get transferred to Missoula or Great Falls. Um, but what we're able to do and what we've done already several times in at St. Peter's is provide the care right away. And in sometimes and 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 there's sometimes where we've been able to avoid hospitalization because we were able to give the treatment right away and able to discharge patients back to their home uh, within a few hours and then provide follow-up care, again, via video, in their homes within the week. 
So, so again, I think what we're doing is, our hope is, we're making things much more accessible. We're making care much more accessible. We're making it more convenient. And overall, I hope we're reducing costs for the entire healthcare system because we can keep people closer to home and provide the care that they need. Yeah. So do you think when we talk the teleportion of this, I, I'm surprised to hear that Montana was was leading that because there seemed to be an idea where people weren't necessarily comfortable with the, the telemedicine idea, just in the sense that, you know, it, it's not the same. Like it, it's not, you're not face to face, but it seems like people are kind of latching onto this. Well, absolutely. I mean, you can make the same, you know, can you imagine, um, I don't know, 20 years ago, if, they, if you would have said, hey, most of your friends, you're going to be interacting with them over video or by chat, you would have, we would have laughed, right? But now, that's just part of our reality. And I think our culture is shifting in a way that uh, sort of these digital interactions are becoming more, more part of the norm, you know? So I think that's, in part, that's what's happening. And the other piece, really, if you have the option of no help or video-based help, I imagine a lot of people are going to go with a video-based help uh, over not getting anything at all. Right. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, I don't know if I want to put you on the spot with, uh, you know, grabbing statistics out of the air, but do you have any kind of maybe even anecdotal, you know, a, a story that shows that this is working and, and this is beneficial? Oh, oh, hundred um, <clears throat> percent. And I've been doing, you know, I've been doing, I've been, you know, lucky I've been doing telemedicine for several years. So I can give you one kind of a general one that, uh, that is very much, that is very much typical of what happens. So let's say, Let's say a uh, a woman, you know, in a, let's say an adult in, uh, let's say their 20s, a uh, female shows up in the emergency room and is struggling with severe, severe anxiety, um, you know, might be, might be having, be so anxious to the point of even having thoughts of hurting, hurting herself, right? <clears throat> and she doesn't have access to a psychiatrist, uh, maybe has met with a primary care doc once and talked about it before, but has never gotten sort of an evaluation and, um, and recommendations from somebody who's trained to do so, right? As a psychiatrist and as psychiatric nurse practitioners, we're lucky in that our toolbox is pretty big. We can do psychotherapy as well as medication management. So that patient shows up to the emergency room and is asking for help, and we're able to talk to her right away. And what's nice is I'm not saying medication is always the, the number one tool we need to use in our toolbox, but in some cases it can be life-saving. And so in a situation like that with somebody with super, super high anxiety, there's some things we can do to reduce the anxiety and reduce the amount of distress she's feeling and probably reduce the need for hospitalization and might, might improve the chances that she won't resort to using, let's say, alcohol or drugs to, to try to manage those feelings. Dr. Eric Arzubi with us. We've got just a couple minutes left with him. Uh, doctor, if people are in crisis, they're concerned about their mental health, maybe that of a loved one, what are some things that they can, what are some things that they should do? For sure. So, so a couple of things. I mean, you know, they, they, there's always the classic, you know, call 911 in case of an emergency, but it would be nice be nice if people um, felt, hopefully we're getting to the point where people feel more comfortable talking about these issues and can really reach out to their their primary care docs, pediatricians, family practice docs, um, because, you know, one of the things that's been really remarkable about working with, uh, with other doctors in Montana is that primary care docs in Montana are very, very comfortable uh, working with people who struggle with mild to moderate um, uh, mental health problems. Um, and so, and so, the, uh, so I would really recommend that they reach out to their doctor and, um, and really start talking ahead of time before it reaches a crisis. Um, really, we want we want to do is we want to avoid getting to a crisis situation and really talk about this early on. But 
But again, really collaborating with your primary care doc is, is critical because there's some wonderful docs out there who can be helpful and supportive. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's, uh, you know, if people have heard it before, but they need to hear it again very many times, is it, it's okay to not be okay, and, and it's okay to reach out for some help. Well, absolutely. You know, and in terms of, you know, you're mentioning statistics, 50% of the entire population by, by age 18 will have struggled in one way or another with one of these symptoms of, you know, anxiety, depression, problems with attention, sadness, problems with sleep. So it affects everybody. So, so, you know, I have a hard time believing when people said they don't, they don't struggle with anything. You know, we all struggle with something. And, you know, in some cases it, need, it needs to be dealt with professionally. Not always, but... But, you know, for, for goodness sake, I mean, this is uh, these are stressful times, and I think we all need a little bit of support. Yeah. Dr. Eric Arzubi with us. Uh, he's from Frontier Psychiatry. They're working with uh, telepsychiatry in a partnership with St. Peter's Health. And I just thank you for what you're doing. It's got to be an emotionally exhausting thing many times, but you're making a difference in the community. And I really appreciate that and your time this morning. Well, I appreciate uh, appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate you highlighting these uh, these important issues. So that's that's super helpful, and, and uh, really appreciate it. Yeah. Stick around; we're going to let the doctor go, but we've got more coming up on Coffee Break right after this. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there, or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. In today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. Welcome back. This is Coffee Break, and I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for hanging out with us today. The show brought to you by Versant Real Estate Group. Finding the perfect buyer for your home doesn't have to be daunting. Call David Afersant, 459-8565. And we're continuing the show now with Kaylee Ross, PhD, Kaylee, a clinical psychologist at St. Peter's Health. And uh, once again, our phone line's just giving us all sorts of troubles. But I've got Kaylee on my phone, so we're going to do the cell phone thing again. So you might want to turn up the radio just a little bit, make sure that you can hear Kaylee. Uh, first off, Kaylee? Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Sorry we were uh, making your phone go crazy this morning. Oh, no worries. Glad to be with you this morning. <laughs> what, what is your role at St. Peter's Health? I mean, can, you, can you tell people what it is that you do every day? Yeah, definitely. So I have the privilege of being a clinical psychologist there at St. Peter's Health. So I work with uh, mostly adults over there treating a wide range of mental health concerns, so things like depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, but also a range of other health-related issues like insomnia, uh, folks who are trying to lose weight, those kinds of things. So really a wide gamut of all the kinds of things that people need support or treatment around. So that's that's what I get to do on a day-to-day basis. So how did you get into that? I mean, what is your background that got you into that particular lane? 
So um, a long journey, um, many years in school. Um, <laughs> so if anybody out there is looking to look to, looking to follow the same route, so undergraduate, uh, six years in graduate school after that, and a number of years in postdoctoral training as well. So a long route, but to do something that I really love doing. So yeah. it's it's worth it in the end. How long have you been at St. Pete's now? I am actually fairly new to St. Pete, so I just joined this past summer. So July of 2020 is when I first started working okay. at St. Peter's Health. So you know, but that's long enough. I mean, you got your stuff. Your boxes are unpacked. You're you're moved in. I moved in, yeah. Um, yeah. But new to Montana, so I'm looking forward to another Montana summer. Yeah. Well, and yeah. and this hopefully a summer where you can actually get out and do some stuff. Oh, that is a hope. I was excited that snow finally disappeared from my yard and then it, then it snowed again. So. Right. Yeah. And it sounds like we might have more. So congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, April, uh, April National Alcohol Awareness Month. And I, I think we all know that there's a problem in Montana when it comes to alcohol in general. I, I mean, I, I think we see that when we see, you know, the uh, multi-DUI arrest stories time and time again. I mean, th- this is a significant issue, isn't it? It absolutely is, and even more so important in the re- in the recent year, because what we do know from from big, big research studies that are being done this past year is that with all the stress from the pandemic in the last year, we're seeing people increase how much they're drinking as well, just because of all the stress, uh, particularly women, women who have women with children who are in remote schooling in the last year in particular have been hit hard by the stress, and that's actually the group that we see the biggest increase in drinking, but also across the board as well. People sure. experiencing more stress. Uh, so as a clinical psychologist, I mean, what can you tell us about, I guess, the impact that, that alcohol is having on our brains, on our mental health? What's actually, what is it actually doing for us or to us? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So there are, there's a lot of misconceptions around what alcohol does for us. A lot of people think about you know, feeling a little bit more relaxed, being more social, those kinds of things. And, you know, in the short term, alcohol does do that for some people. It, you know, that pleasant feeling of a little bit more, you know, being able to wind down, those kinds of things. And it, it does change some of your brain chemistry, you know, in the short term where it helps helps people feel a little more relaxed, kind of decreases some of the stress signal that's going to our brain. But what we do find, though, is when it becomes more frequent and more chronic in our alcohol intake, it actually shifts how the brain responds. So our bodies need more and more to get the same effect. It's a term of habituation. Our body basically gets used to having alcohol in the system. So it actually turns down some of the signals it typically uses and how it responds to things. So in the short term, it makes you feel a little less stressed. But actually, in the long term, our bodies become more reactive to to stress and actually tends to elevate our risk for depression, can actually make us feel more depressed. So again, short-term moderate use can, you know, folks can enjoy it, be more social, those sorts of things if it's, you know, within certain limits. But then over the long term, it gets risky when people turn to it repeatedly for help with stress or help with coping. It actually kind of does a disservice to people mm-hmm. in the long term. Yeah. So it's certainly, I mean, it's it's got to be a little bit different for each person, right? I mean, like everything, it's a little individualized, but the general idea applies to everyone. Are, are, are there people out there that just sort of have a predisposition to this impacting them more? Absolutely. And it's, as you said, it's very individualized. So I've, I've got patients that I work with who, you know, they just know that alcohol does not click with them, that, you know, they, they do not do well when they drink alcohol. And so 
they are able to listen to their bodies and just decide that alcohol is not a part of their life. And then um, for other people who do enjoy alcohol, the recommended limits are for women, no more than seven drinks throughout the course of a week and no more than four drinks in one sitting. And then for men, men's body, men and women tend to kind of process alcohol differently in the body overall in terms of the health effects it has. So for men, it's no more than 14 drinks in a week and then um, no more than five, five in one sitting. Okay. So you're, you're telling, I mean, social drinking, if we have a beer or glass of wine with dinner, when we go out with friends or something like that, you're not on the show this morning, you know, saying no more drinking, quit it, lock it up, get rid of it. As long as we're, I mean, doing it responsibly, I guess. Absolutely. Responsibly and just in starting to understand, because that's the thing, that's where the misconception comes in, is that a lot of people don't know where that line in the sand is, is when does it go from kind of harmless, enjoyable activity to starts to get risky for our health. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of knowing, knowing what some of those recommendations are in terms of keeping, keeping it on the healthy side, that's absolutely where, where we'd recommend just checking in where you're at and then making sure you're on the side that it's, that you're not putting yourself up up for risk in the long term and i guess that entails being honest with yourself too right absolutely (laughs) you know people kind of do some funny counting uh, you know when they're stressed out i'm like well did i really have you know two beers or five beers those kinds of things of you know just taking a moment to take a hard look at you know what what role is it playing in your life you know is it is it for enjoyment or has it crept over and more towards you just feeling like you really really need those drinks in the evening yeah and if it's getting to the point where you just you feel like you're coming to depend on it every day that's the moment we would recommend reaching out to your primary care doctor or therapist to maybe even talk about you know is am i still being healthy or is this getting it to be a level that it's you know creating some problems in my life Kaylee Ross is a clinical psychologist out at St. Peter's Health. And uh, Kaylee, what what are some alternatives? If we're starting to, you know, we're, we're sort of doing that self-evaluation and we realize, you know what, I'm this is no longer an enjoyable evening drink. This is something that I need to have every evening. Are, are there alternatives that you can recommend to turn to? Absolutely. Well, the wonderful thing, Troy, is that summer is around the corner, so it's much, much easier to get outside to relieve stress by going on a hike, even just sitting outside on the deck in the nice sun, all those kinds of things. So even just considering a shift in activity, and even not necessarily everybody needs to reach out for professional help in cutting back, but even just being more mindful and starting to introduce, you know, drinking more more water in the evenings or you know, some seltzer water, those kinds of things, but being intentional about seeing if you can kind of cut back a little bit, if it's gotten to be, if it, you know, that intake's pretty high and just seeing if you can step away and do some other activities you enjoy, like watching a favorite show, going for a walk, maybe trying meditation or yoga, anything like that of kind of getting back to other stuff that, that you enjoy. So if people think they might have an issue, here with alcohol use uh, are there some resources that you can recommend for them you know if it's to the point where they say you know what i think i've i've got an issue here but it's something that i'm not able to deal with on my own uh, where should they go how can they get help yeah absolutely and i think one of the great places to start is with your is with your primary care doctor if you're connected with with a doctor in the community Having a conversation, being transparent about that, because a lot of times people think that, you know, even with their alcohol levels creeping high, they've got to just, they've got to quit on their own. You know, they can, can't do it 
they have to do it by themselves, but but that's absolutely uh, not true. There's medications that can actually be helpful for people when they are cutting back that can be a huge support for folks. Uh, lots of access to therapists in the community who can also help people in providing support and finding other stress management approaches and, and helping them cut back as well. And then there's also just the, the National Mental Health Crisis Hotline. They're always happy to, to talk and get people connected with services, as well as SAMHSA is one of the main national hotlines that, as well that help people get connected with substance um, use disorder counselors as well. Yeah. So any one of those resources, but a lot of times people can't remember that, so just connect with your primary care doctor and ask for some support, and they're always more than happy to help people get connected. We've got about a minute and a half left, Kaylee, and I just wanted to, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss if I just didn't point out that there's so much stigma here when we're talking about reaching out, but there shouldn't be. I mean, we, we can't let some perceived or, or even factual stigma stop people that know they have a problem from asking for help. Absolutely. There is so much shame around mental health in general and substance use because it's considered as you know, something as a different category other than the rest of your health. So, you know, things like diabetes, high blood pressure, those kinds of things that people would not think twice about going to their doctor or talking to them about if, you know, if something like your blood sugars numbers crept higher than what you know is in the healthy range. So those kinds of things that have even just switching our mindset to this is just, this is just another piece of our health uh, that we need to be aware of. And just, you know, knowing when we've reached the limits of taking care of being able to manage it on our own versus reaching out for support. So especially the doctors in the area are very well trained to not, um, not be judgmental when you come and seek, seek help in this area. Because yeah. it's better better to seek help and get connected and get that support you need than than struggling alone. Because um, we know when you get connected and get support, people are much more likely to be successful at you know cutting back or quitting or you know yeah. partaking in healthy limits. Yeah. Kaylee, uh, Kaylee Ross, a clinical psychologist out at St. Peter's Health. And uh, if you've got some sort of, you're sitting there going, you know what, that might be me. I, I need that drink at night. Reach out, call your doctor, and uh, they will connect you. Uh, maybe with Kaylee or with somebody else uh, that can help you out. So, Kaylee, thanks so much for taking time to chat with us this morning. And thank you for what you're doing. Oh, thanks for making time to have me on your show. I love, I love talking about mental health and supporting our community as best we can. Thanks also uh, once again going out to Dr. Eric Arzubi for joining us in the first half, but we're all out of time today. We'll see you again around here tomorrow. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes, head on over, give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.